Igawaur acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I'm Will Selke. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. Start the timer for me, Tom. Anything said over the next 60 minutes will stand up in a court of law, or any argument you find yourself in with a film school student. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-refundable, and nondescript. So, let's talk about Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula? Bram Stoker's Dracula, exactly. Released on the 13th of November, 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula, also known by its Japanese release title, famous movie stars occasionally doing accents, is Francis Ford Coppola's epic take on a horror classic. The film follows Jonathan Harker, an English solicitor who goes to Transylvania to set up the purchase of some property from a magical old vampire named Dracula. It also follows Mina Harker, a modern-day reincarnation of Count Dracula's original wife, who committed suicide 400 years ago. It also follows Count Dracula himself, Dr. Jack Seward, who works at a mental asylum, as well as Professor Abraham Van Helsing, who delivers lectures at the local college and fights vampires on the side. The film was made on a budget of $40 million and was a hit at the box office, earning $215.8 million, and it may have just saved Coppola's production company, American Zoetrope. The movie clocks in with a runtime of either 2 hours and 8 minutes or 2 hours and 35 if you watch Coppola's cut and may just inspire you to enter rooms yelling, what in God's name is going on up here? <laughs> Except in a British accent. Good. That's the most detailed introduction you've done yet. Very yeah, impressed. I, I thought it was time to, to... It was a film that deserved a bit of riffing, basically, right? Um, yep. Yeah, all right. So, special episode, <laughs> we've got a guest... With us? Yes. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. You got a guest. Welcome, my guest. Say hello, a guest. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. Guess, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> Thank you, host. Um, <laughs> my name's Alana Marshall, um, and I go to school with Tom. Oh, Lil Silky. I'm so sorry. Lil Silky. Yeah, that's my alias. I'm trying to yeah. keep my private life separate from my... Yes. Do, you have an a- do you have an alias for the pod, Milana? Um, I don't know, but I always said that my wrestling name would be Marshall Mellow. Okay, that's <laughs> so pretty great. So we can go with that. <laughs> that's going to work. <laughs> there we go. Um, and this is my favorite movie, and I'm so excited to talk about it. Yes. Um, so to the listeners, Alana was also part of the... Um, uh, the perfect team, the the dynasty yes. that was the phone booth the phone production booth. team, which yeah. was also where Shaggy Hess came from a few episodes ago. Mm. Um, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. We got to um, do the. We got to check in before oh, we true, before we talk about the film. We always check in with okay. how everyone's doing. Hey girl, I know it's been a while, but uh, I just need to ask you something. I feel it. Um, let's start with you, Alana. What's going on? How are you? 
Yeah, good. Um, I'm reveling in the fact of no masks outside anymore. It's bloody amazing. Like that first morning when it was raining, I just was going out and smelling things in the rain and it was fantastic. So I'm, I've, I've got a new lease on life. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a new person, um, which is great. And I'm excited because it's also my birthday soon. So yay, birthday. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all looking up. I went for a stroll yesterday and without a mask the first time in a while. And I couldn't help but think to myself, every time I walked around with a mask, back when masks were, uh, you know, mandatory, I spent the whole time going, man, I wish I could just smell, like take off my mask and have a smell, but I was being a responsible member of society. And then, but then I got to say, walking around without a mask wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I had a little bit of a sniffle and I just was like, wow, this wasn't nearly as exciting as I was expecting. Okay, you've got to be the only one that feels that way. Because yeah, literally, what I the am. hell? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just have well, dull, dull sense of smell or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But it, it felt good as well. But anyway. Does that count as you telling us how you yeah, are? Yeah, that's my You're catch-up. I'm severely disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just feels like an optimistic part of the year, though. So that's nice, at least. Mm. But yeah. I'm going to jump on that train. It, it does feel good. And like I just finished a bunch of exams. So like I'm pretty happy right now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. It's funny because we started the pod in the middle of lockdown. Sta- like just when stage four had started or whatever. And now it's like over. And now we've got like... Just released the first episode. Just released the first episode. <laughs> so as we're putting them out, everyone will be living through this like terrible time that they want to like forget about. But we'll be reminding them of it. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. I guess that kind of leads me to the first thing, which is significant for for Little Silky and I, is that it's the first film we've watched together in the flesh for the pod. Yes. Oh, my God. Which is huge. We were together on the weekend. Um, uh, I don't know. I didn't didn't like it. (laughs) What did you think? I don't mean the film, to be clear. I meant meant, meant Good Brothers Company. (laughs) It was kind of funny. We watched it with a full house. It was um, the whole fam. Oh my and god! What six people? Yeah. And it's a, a, definitely a movie that gets a lot of reactions. Like, yeah, it's an evocative <laughs> movie. It's interesting because I also watched it for the first time with my family, and is it a very like sexy movie with everyone doing their their own thing? Like, I think my parents were just like, "What on earth?" And like me and my aunt were like, "Yes!" Like, so <laughs> into it. So it was like different. Yeah, it was a strange experience watching it as a group. Mm-hmm. Well, so this is your your favorite film. I want to like, uh, yeah, yeah, and you'd never I'm seen it with your family. Hear- well, well, yeah, I've I've so watched it with my family first, and then as a fun fact, um, when the first night that me and Brian hang hung out, we also watched it. So nice. read into that what you will. Um, For and the then- listeners, Brian is the <laughs> oh, yes. apparently the boyfriend who Alana scored <laughs> off of. The back of Bramstone. Yeah, Dracula. exactly. So, ladies, um, that's how you get <laughs> take down with this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, I did my video essay on it. Well, that and Godfather. Um, so, was watching it more for that, and then rewatched it again for this. And just every time, I like see new things and like laugh at different things now. <laughs> like, just some of the words that. Keanu Reeves says are just so wrong in their pronunciation and I love him for it. So 
Um, so wh- wh- when was the first time you saw it? Like how long ago was that? Uh, I think that was like 2017. Um, I think. Okay. So Maybe, fairly recently. What recent. what did it um, yeah. displace from number one previously? Um, I think it might have displaced Fargo. Um, oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Two very different movies. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, I'd, I'd liked Fargo for a while, like, since I'd seen it. But then Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, it just sort of had this new, this different, really different energy that I feel like I like p- films just don't have anymore. It's, like, mm-hmm. so dramatic, so over the top, and it suits the story so well. Like, I feel like it's just that the vibe, the vibes, it just was so, <laughs> so enjoyable to watch and so not what I was expecting as well. Mm-hmm. Was it your um, favourite film the first time you watched it or it took a while to kind of get into it? I think it took a little digesting afterwards. The thing that cemented it as my favourite film, though, was listening to the soundtrack outside of the film because the soundtrack slaps. Like, it's just so good. Like, the... The um opening um opening like I guess score and um that like motif that's used throughout the movie it's just like just so good. So I was listening to it on repeat for mm-hmm. ages and ages and ages. Um, and that's what made it. I was just like, you know what, this <laughs> is it. This is the one. So it won yeah. an Oscar for sound. I can't remember which mm. part. I should know, but I don't know. Well, which which sound award did it win again? Oh, I don't even know. I just knew that it did want an, win an Oscar. Okay, um, I'll Google it quickly. Need a bit of research for that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm not sure where we even start. Do you have a point where you want to start with this, Tom? Wait, let me just see. It got best sound editing. That is interesting mm. to me because it freaking blew up our speakers. It was really? extremely loud. Like, especially in contrast to the dialogue. Um, yeah. Well, I think because he's Nolan speaking in that, that Transylvanian accent, you've got to, like, <laughs> lean in a little bit to understand what he's saying and then it blasts you. Like, the first part particularly, like, mm. with the, when the title came up, that is, like, mm. so loud and so in your face. <laughs> and everyone's um, giving me greasies because I had the remote in my hand. But Yeah. yeah. Dad, Dad was not impressed. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, in ter- like, I don't know, where can we can jump in on story or actors, basically. I feel like they're the two, the two lead mm. things. Um, I guess, like, Dracula. Have you read Dracula, Alana? Yeah, so I read it um, last summer. Um, and it is a book that is lots of ebbs and flows in its, like, tension. And because it's not gripping the whole way through. There's times where it's just, like... That it's just Mina and Lucy talking forever about her relationship. Like chapters and chapters go by of her deciding which of the three men she's gonna mm. like get involved with. But it's really interesting because the book is kind of found footagey in the sense that it's like newspaper clippings, mm. people's uh-huh. diary entries. Um, well, that's what they do in the film a little bit as well, right? Yeah, and they just kind of give up on it. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's sort of like at the start. There's oh, there's a wolf in London. Read all about it. But then they sort of yeah, Yeah. get rid of it. Um, But yeah, it's it's just interesting that that's the way that he chose to write it. And I think it suits it really well. But like the ending is very like, oh yes, this is a religious story. Like it just like all these morals start coming out about religion. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting because. The book 
um, got retranslated by some guy um, who was, I think, from Iceland, and he made it like shorter and more snappier. Like it was based on some of um, Stoker's old notes, and it became a better book to read. But that's still not the one that's like famous, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like the original long form text is the one that. Um, people know of and the movies get made of, like yeah. the one that Coppola did. Is that and why they was... emphasize the fact that it's Bram Stoker's versus a different telling uh, of it? Or is it I think just... so, yeah. yeah. Um, so just because w- there has been other iterations of Dracula or a Dracula-type character anyway, and this is just this Irish dude's version of it, um, mm-hmm. really. So it was written in 1897, and the events take place in... 1897 as well pretty funky thing to think about like because this victorian era stuff is so um stylistic now like it's definitely something you lean into if you want to tell a type of story but it's just weird to imagine that this guy was writing about his day-to-day life in many ways (laughs) yeah that's like with um with war of the worlds because that was written in like the 1800s and it's just so weird because i just think of tom cruise like reading the book it's just like how is this how is this victorian era like London and people are dealing with aliens. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's the sort of story you can definitely, and I'm sure it has been, just adapted to like plenty of different time mm-hmm. periods. Um, and it's also like just a character that you don't, you, it's such, you know, such an iconic character that watching a film about it or probably reading the book shows you how little you knew about it off mm-hmm. the first thing. Like, for example, the first time you see Dracula in this film, and I think of that, uh, Mr. Burns in this Treehouse of Horror episode when he's like done up in that red thing in that and I was like oh that's what that is there you go which I think is a common thing when we're watching mm. films on this pod is have they been referenced in a Simpsons episode <laughs> a lot of the time is yes yeah I think that Dracula and those other sort of movie characters are like in the actual sense memes where like they were popular they were an artifact of a time and then they've sort of been rehashed and then like their origin doesn't really matter as much um, like, cause you know, like, what would you say your defin like, I don't know, I don't have one, but there has to be sort like, is there a definitive Dracula besides the book? Like, cause it's a movie that's being told a bunch mm. of times in different ways. And then you even get like films based on him, but aren't him, you know, reframings. And then I don't know, similarly, like Godzilla, like, is there an original Godzilla? Like there probably is, but the, <laughs> you know, you think I, the only one I, I mean, knew was that is. bad one from the nineties or thousands. It's the sort of thing where a character gets taken away into kind of public consciousness or whatever and that mm-hmm. it's pretty far removed, I guess, from its original source, I guess. Would Dracula be, um, uh, what's that word, when they get out of copyright so they're free, public domain? Um, probably. I think so. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I so. that's, that's so interesting um, mm. because, yeah, then you can just interpret the story however you want. Um, mm. But, yeah. But I would I thought- always see the, the because I feel like the first time I saw the that the um like the Gary Oldman Dracula like that look which I feel like has become so iconic, um, is when I was watching a bloody Watch Mojo video on YouTube that was like top ten greatest acting performances ha ha ha, um. And I saw that one and I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy looking. And then seeing the film, I was like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> like, just him, just his whole performance. It's just, oh, so good. 
I think it's interesting, um, just from when I was reading up about it, it seems like this film really kind of reinvented what Dracula could look like and what the mm. kind of feel of it was, which I think is pretty cool. And even just for vampires in general, it seemed to have like a pretty big legacy thing. Like obviously nowadays it's sexy vampires is such a thing, mm. but mm. I don't know. It all comes back to those John Lenn- that John Lennon look that he's walking around with the long hair. And like the little, actually, it's it's John Lennon meets Johnny Depp, sort of like. Oh my he, god! Yeah, he looks a lot like Johnny Depp. <laughs> well, it's funny because it makes me think Gary Oldman is like I know him as like a character actor sort of thing, mm. and I guess that this is a character actor. But when he's like supposed to be young and hot, it just seems weird to me that this is the same guy who just plays like serious older roles nowadays, like Winston Churchill and Commissioner. Yeah, exactly. Gordon. <laughs> like that. Yeah, Winston Churchill. Exactly that sort of thing. So I don't know. It's a funny casting, like. I mean, I guess the casting in general, it, it's, well, it's interesting because like compared to everyone else, everyone else in the film is just like young and hot and like you go, okay, yeah, it's sexy. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I never thought of Gary Oldman like that, but I guess maybe he was like maybe that back was, in the 90s. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, back in the day. Um, this, is, this is sort of a bit I was going to do later, but like what does the modern cast of this film look like? Because it's mm. funny that you mentioned that sexy thing because, you know, that's definitely, I hadn't thought about Dracula as much. I thought that it was made in the 2000s. I don't know why I specifically had this image, but I could see Van Helsing as Philip Seymour Hoffman as like, yeah, okay. he's sort of comedic, yeah. sort of serious sort of thing. And then if we skip ahead a decade or whatever, mm-hmm. I think like, I actually for Dracula, I had um, Carl Drogo, Aquaman guy. I oh my God. But would he be able to do the old version? I feel like the old version is so quintessential to that film of being mm-hmm. so like, so, yeah, it's just a specific, like, image of Dracula at the start. And then at the end when he's, like, dying, basically. Like, I feel like the the sex... I feel like the sexy Dracula in the middle is the lesser Dracula for me out of, mm. the, out of the three. Like, the one at the start is just so creepy and gross. Like, when he's, like, climbing across the wall, yeah, that bit yeah. freaked me out when I saw it for the first time. And even in the book, it's freaky. Like, you're like, ugh. Like, I love the oh, way, like, God. that scene felt very 90s to me the way well, i mean this whole film feels very 90s but like yeah, absolutely. that wall the way that wall crawl scene looked that's just yeah. like super mm. 90s and i guess in the 90s they did that thing where like they kind of speed up it's got that weird unnatural yeah. fast moving <laughs> yes. sort of thing which is so funny i guess i really liked how 90s this film this film yeah, was. it's sort of it's simultaneously mm. the strongest part and weakest part of this film <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing it, even the cast of- i guess yeah like Keanu Reeves and um yeah, what a time capsule. Like, yeah. mm. it, it's it's strange to me having seen this. What uh, Keanu's career sort of turns into? Yeah, um, I was thinking the uh, same thing. I mean, I feel it. like we're going to talk about Keanu for like a long time. Like, it just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can save it. Um, so many I, I guess I'll just quickly finish who I had left, and then you guys can help fill me mm. in. I I don't know why I definitely had Chris Pine as the Texan, but he's just definitely that yeah, guy. Okay. I can I can do <laughs> or that. Chris Pratt. One. Yeah, yeah that's true. the that's other true. Chris. He would take a darker role in Dracula and then yes. be the slapstick guy in Dracula. <laughs> yeah. um, and the only other person, like for Keanu, I had at the moment was maybe like Chamolet. I can just see that as like, I think because they'd lean into the youngness of the actors a bit more. I think, yeah, you know, how they're doing the young uh, virginity sort of thing in this story. Mm. I think maybe they do him. Plus he's just like, you know, that guy in that age bracket at the moment. Besides, actually, Tom Holland could get it. Those are the two that are competing for that market, mm. in my opinion. 
I have but. a feeling if they casted it nowadays, they'd cast it really diverse, though. Like they wouldn't all be mm. white people. I just ah, true, it's a yeah. sort of the sort of film where you can imagine them taking lots of liberties and switching genders and stuff like that. That's how mm. I imagine like a, a 2020 version would be. Oh my god, the mm. guy who plays Aladdin in the new Aladdin should be Keanu because he's just so cute and he's such like he's just so like main character guy. Like he's just got the hair and everything, and he's like mm. he was great in Aladdin. Best bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny that you think um, Carl Drogo. Is Dracula like? I think he's just way too swole. Like the whole thing it's, is, it's the hair, obviously. Dracula's. Like, this, I think like he's got that. He- he's got those heavy eyelid sort of thing. He's got a bit of a, a cook, a baked in sort of spooky look that would work. Dra- Dracula's all about this like kind of feminine energy. I think like mm. this kind of um, sensitivity sort of thing, which is what makes him so. So it's Harry Styles. So- is what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> ha- oh, what? He <laughs> wore a dress. Yeah, he did it. I don't know if you heard. He did it. <laughs> I can't believe it. What a crisis. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, surprise appearance. Anthony Hopkins could have been in this movie this year. Yes, 10 actually. Years ago, 10 he years ago. Like, he could Dracula. have played it every time. <laughs> he could be Dracula. Anthony Hopkins is, is in this film. I don't know. Interesting Anthony Hopkins, I think. I don't think of him as a yeah. funny guy, but he's meant to be funny in this. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's meant to be like, whoa, he's crazy, man. He's like Is off that the it? rails. I okay. feel like it's meant to be like, you're not really sure what he's going to do next. Because in the book, it's interesting. In the book, he's like, that character is a bit more demure, but he's still like saying crazy ass shit. Like, he's just like, I've d- vampires. And everyone's like, what? But in this one, he's like, so no. they don't he feels very like vampires? swashbuckling. Yeah, well, that's true. Swashbuckling. Sorry. Yeah, he feels very like piratey kind of yes. like um, camp pirate nineties. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, in the book, he's like trying to convince them basically. Like he has to really like sit him down and be like, "This is what's going on," and has to like prove it to them over and over. Like going to Lucy's grave like multiple times and being like, "See, she isn't okay. here," and they're like, "Uh." Oh. Like it takes them ages to be like something hinky's going on. Like. I feel like well, that was missing from the film. <laughs> like, yeah. That, uh, every, all of them were like, sure, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Um, I got to be honest. I, and like, I was kind of struggling to follow what was going on a little bit. Like, <laughs> Yes. You just like, uh, like, I think, I think it's a couple of thing, to be honest. Man, this film is so rich with discussion, yes. like just because of everyone involved with it. Um, but like, I think Coppola, because of the way that he is and the way that he shoots and like, you know, I haven't seen all of Coppola's work. I've, seen godfather and apocalypse now and um what's it called the spy in one conversation yeah the conversation um and i do sort of remember like his film sort of just having like you can imagine because he's like this auteur guy that he just shoots a bunch of stuff and then he's like it'll make sense in post and then he slaps it together and it doesn't really make sense but it sort of makes enough sense that you buy it well i'm a bit if i hadn't i would have liked to watch a director's cut um, mm. the, the the longer version of it, if there if exists, um, I don't know, but because c- yeah, there were parts in this where I wasn't really sure what was going on, just going along for the ride. Like I, I, I mean, I guess I definitely feel that people who love this film are just along for the ride, and like it's a different sort of thing. And mm. and to be honest, like this is me showing my how much of a novice I am. This is actually I think the first couple of films I've, I've watched. <laughs> Beyond like Hearts of Darkness, which is just him going mad and doesn't care. <laughs> oh, but, like, I love that movie. He seems but, um, good. In, I reckon he he takes a big W in Hearts of Darkness. He seems like a good guy in it because he's crazy, but he's into the art. You know what I mean? I just didn't think it was as bad for him as I thought it would be. Well, this is what's funny is that 
this is the first film I've seen. Like, I can't imagine that guy rocking up and making this film, but but apparently he did. Like, it's just I like can. so. It makes sense to me. So like, not like very serious. Mm. Um, it it doesn't seem like it takes itself too seriously. Or maybe yeah. it does, and that's just how it comes across as well. Mm. I feel like that's the nice thing about it, though, because like I feel like people get all uppity about Coppola's work very quickly. But then in this movie, I just think I feel like even though he was thinking about it, like I can see how much care was put into it, and how much like it's like referencing like old horror with the like the lighting and like all these like basically all the effects were like practical. Like, the shadows yeah. on the wall and things like that. Yeah. Like, I feel like it was very referential to what he had grown up with and what he had worked on um, when he was younger. But I feel like it does feel like he was just having fun and doing what, how, like, doing what he knew best, really. It was just, like, getting some, some good actors and putting them on these big old sound stages and... Um, mm. And just having fun with this very, like, famous story. But, yeah, did, I totally agree with, like, Along for the Ride, 100%. <laughs> what did you talk about for Coppola in your video essay? Well, I yeah, was Can we tack going... that on the end of this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it at the start of the pod. <laughs> We're playing a clip right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I focus more on the fact that I, f- I do not like the auteur label or I think it's used in a weird way where it's very pick and choosy about what films get. It's like the director is an auteur, but then the films themselves get given this label. And I was talking about it in reference to The Godfather and how I feel like The Godfather and um, and Bram Stoker's are, like, not as dissimilar as people see. Like, there's still a lot of, like, melodrama and and... Yeah, well, melodrama in The Godfather that people sort of poo-poo a bit with Dracula. Like, I feel like it's not given the same critical, like, highbrow, like, rating. Um, And I was just mainly talking about what I felt like were the flaws with the theory um, in terms of its, like, Americanization. So, yeah, I was talking a lot about, like, the soundtrack and about how, like, even though Keanu is maybe not right for the role it's still like that was the money maker you know like he was the he was the guy at the time so like yeah gotta I, I, I just have a there. question about Keanu's position in his career like this is after like maybe like point break or like what's what's he big off at this point yeah I'm I'm gonna look that up because I feel like it was in that time like point break probably Matrix, I guess. Matrix would be a bit later. Matrix is know. end of the decade. It's like nine. Okay, so. Well, we're going to get kicked off to Zoom, so it's quick research. Quick, session. yeah, research. Quick research. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, also speed, speed and Point Break. Ah, uh, yeah, like, and um, yeah, yeah. So they were the they were the things, and of course Bill and Ted's. So he was like young hot dude at the time. We're talking Keanu. Um, yeah, and uh, Winona was like, this is like her peak popularity, right? I would have liked to be around when this, I would have liked to be there for this film coming out because I feel like it would have been a cultural event sort of thing. It seems like a big deal. And like, we're talking about Coppola and like, this is his like third decade of filmmaking or maybe even fourth or whatever. But this is, as far as I know, probably is like his last big big thing to kind of happen 
you know um and, and you know just with all like the the stars of all the people who are in it and, like their profile it does seem like this would have been a fun film to like mm. see come out and have everyone talk about and everything like that yeah um i was surprised that our parents didn't know it at all <laughs> maybe it's mm. because they had you know young or like you know just before ben no <laughs> children yeah <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were in a different phase of the uh, Dracula consuming lives. But um, Alana, was this? Did your parents know this? Was it famous? Yeah, they didn't really know it at all. I think they were a bit too old for it. Like, I feel like this would have been like a teen movie. Like, you know, okay. you go, um, you go see this with your teen friends. Um, so I think, yeah, they probably missed the boat. And I feel like it's probably much more of like an American film mm-hmm. than being something to be a hit in Australia. Because even just like, it's, I, if, I, yeah, I feel like it's such like a Hollywood cast, even with like Carrie Yules as the husband. Um, like I know him from Princess Bride. So when I saw him in this, I was like, uh, oh my yeah, God, it's Wesley. Yeah. It is that guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just so, so handsome in this. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I feel like it's a very specific time to be seeing this film and to know these people. Like, we know them now as sort of, like, cultural icons, but, like, mm. back then it was, like, yeah, they moment. were the it people. Um, yeah. So was this scary when it came out? Because, like, it's sort of scary. Like, I'll give it that. It has, it has some really good atmosphere moments. Um, for example, mm. the, I think the opening stuff when they first get to Dracula's is really good. That's probably my favorite part of the film, <laughs> the start. Mm. Um, and then, like, I really enjoyed all the shadows on the walls and, like, the, the yeah, sirens cool. in the bed and mm. stuff like that. I think that's really well done, um, both, like, effect-wise and mood. And then also, like, the scene where uh, Lucy's coming back to a coffin is pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that costume is just amazing. Like, yeah. her, like, bridal outfit. Um, I also, the scene, the bit that scared me the most was when Lucy and Winona are like running through that maze Mm. and they're like getting chased by like werewolf Dracula. Yeah. Um, and the bits where he's like coming and going from her room, I feel like they were the moments that I was like, like this is, this is not great. So if you cut (laughs) out all the, like the modern sensibilities, like it's probably just scary back in the day. Like Mm. all that stuff that's funny now probably isn't as funny. At the time, because filmmaking was a bit less refined, like, because it's always evolving sort of thing. Um, I think, like, because there's just, like, some really funny dramatic exclamations and stuff in this film. And they just haven't aged that well. Like, my favourite, of course, was um, our man, uh, what's his name? Lord Arthur Holmwood bursting into the room when she's getting a blood transfusion going, what in God's name is going on up here? Um. And then every line he delivers after that is pretty funny from then on because, like, I tuned into it and he's very much just, like, a a reaction guy for the rest of the film. Yeah. I think you make a a point, a good point in that, like, we're talking about, like, what this would be like maybe now or whatever. And I just feel like this movie would be a lot more boring than this one is. It seems to be, like, Mm. a perfect era to make it to be as kind of ridiculous and wacky as this Mm. film is with that big of a budget, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... Mm. Even, like, because it's super sensual, it's, like, over-the-top sensuality, you know what I mean? It's not... Like, I could just imagine it being, like, more, like, subtle but not subtle. Like, them trying to play it off like that nowadays. But this is just, like, really horny. Like, it's just really funny (laughs) Mm. how much they lean into it. I don't know. 
There's just, I feel like there was, like, this is why I also want to watch Interview with a Vampire, because that's apparently the horniest vampire film and very gay. Um, yes, I've heard that too. So, yes, so I'm excited to watch that at some point. But I feel like, because there, there was a new Netflix series released that was also Dracula as a series and looked a lot more serious. Like, they kept, they kept being... I know, showing the nuns as part of the promo, like we've got nuns here in this <laughs> one. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I feel like it would just be, they they try to make it so true to the book and the book is not as continuously interesting. Like the start mm-hmm. is the best bit. Like when he's in the castle, it's like, yes, we're here. But yeah. then as soon as they leave the castle, it's like a bore. So yeah, I think, I feel like that's why I feel like it feels so unique now is because filmmakers just aren't doing that fun let's just they no one's given money to like the fun things yeah um it's all the serious stuff and yeah and it's like approaching an old story like you could just imagine that they would like lace it with extra modern subtext nowadays yes you know and just like make it so much heavier than maybe Mm. and i think probably maybe this is original in the sense that it's like the story obviously is meant to be like has religious undertones that obviously aren't undertones and all that um, and it kind of has all that stuff already. And this version of it is just kind of like, you know, just reading about it, it seems like so much effort went into like the way it looked and all, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that they really focus on that element of it versus whatever kind of subtleties or they were trying to get through. Um, and I think it helps the film to be honest. It makes it way more interesting. Mm-hmm. And some of the, like the costumes and stuff all, all could be super iconic and you can imagine mm-hmm. lots of stuff. And this has been, um, people's halloween costumes for like a long time or whatever Mm. which i think is is cool um and it's interesting like we're talking about like the set designs are obviously like kind of look like they were made for the film and it makes me think that if they did make it nowadays um they'd be using like kind of older castles and that sort of things and it'd all be like feel much bigger but it seems Mm. very contained in this film i thought the, the sets were really good i thought i was very impressed with how big the castle was i thought that had a really good vibe um but in terms of the sets feeling like sets, I think that kind of came across, you know, in one instance when they, um, when Keanu was going to the castle in the first place and he goes through that bit where it's all smoky and there's wolves and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I still thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought the um, very constructed atmosphere thing is a stylistic bolster yeah. to the film. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I love it because I feel like, Sometimes I get a bit, I don't know if this is going to sound real douchey or very like film student or whatever, but sometimes I get really disenfranchised with the fact that movies feel too clean. Mm. Like they feel so perfect. And even when it goes beyond perfect to being like, this definitely isn't real, i.e. CGI, just being like, this is so beyond like how, like it, it's, it just does not feel grounded. And that's why I love the constructed sets because it, it it does make it feel in the moment, and even though it kind of feels a bit theatrical, it is part of the story. Like that story is a very theatrical story. It's yeah. like it's telling an an allegory, basically. And yeah, it it feels like it's meant to be staged and meant to be. You're meant to know that what you're seeing isn't squeaky clean. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, so that's that's also one of the reasons why it's like my favorite film. Yeah, um, um, I really enjoy that sort like. Maybe at times I didn't, but now I definitely do enjoy that. Um, I don't mean in the film, I mean my life, but like that type of filmmaking where they're very much like, here's something we want to convey to you and we're going to make it pretty obvious and like 
you have to enjoy it or not enjoy it. Um, like, yeah. um, like I guess an example is the Dracula shadow thing. Like, that's so mm-hmm. deliberately, like, they shot that whole scene just so they could do the shadow thing, it, <laughs> it feels like. Um, and that's, like, a really cool bit, you know? Like, it's a lot of, it's, mm. like, spooky and... Um, but that's so theatery. Because, like, you can just imagine mm. seeing a production of this and, like, that going on in the background. It's such a theatre thing. I don't yeah. know. Because, mm. like, the angle is, like, unflattering camera-wise, sort of. Like, it goes to this yeah. wide that's not focused on the characters. Um, yeah, and, and talking about production styles and stuff, uh, a thing I wanted to mention was it's sort of a theory, I guess. Um, you know how 90s stuff looks 90s? And, like, there's a million wi- reasons why you can accuse something of being 90s and seeming 90s. Um, but what sort of occurred to me in this film, I think it's a few things. I think it's lens based. I think they use a lot of wide lenses, whereas films today use a lot more close lenses and close ups, right? Um, so you, a lot of the time in this film, you've got faces and then there's background still, but then in modern films, you get this thing where they zoom in super tight, compresses the image and they have shallow depth of field. So you see nothing behind them. Um, and I think it contributes to this theatery sort of feel maybe because, like in theatre, you would obviously see the background, so it seems more like in front of you, whereas it doesn't have that movie sort of thing. Um, the other thing that is lens-based is I think the lenses are a lot uh, softer, um, so all the, the skin tones and stuff like that look a little bit not real and a little bit Hollywood-ish. Yeah, so like that in combination with heavily produced sets, sem- sometimes weak special effects... Not that this film special effects are really <laughs> hey. good. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, so I mean, the thing that comes to mind, right, is that that swirling fire, blue fire. Start. Literally, oh what the did fire. that mean? What was it? So in the books, I really, it's just interesting that he added this because it makes no sense mm. when you know the story in the books. Because in the books, when um, Jonathan Harker is going to the castle. Um, like he has this whole really creepy interaction with the villagers where they're like, don't fucking go there, mate. Like Uh. get out of the car. And he's like, I'm fine. And then look, then like goes. Um, and he meets up with the second cab driver that is like connoted as being Dracula in disguise. Cause he's also a bit weird. He's like, got like, I think in the movie they show long nails. Like he reaches out and like he pulls Uh. and like Keanu Reeves like rises into the, into the cabin of the thing. Um, he seemed and, very relaxed, I remember thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was like, okay, <laughs> guess this is yeah. happening. But then they, when in the, in the camp, in the, like the carriage, um, he sees out the window these little blue fires. Like they kind of look like sprites, you know, in Brave, like the little Will of the Wisps, like uh, through yeah, the yeah. woods. Yeah. And so the driver stops and follows them. Um, and you later learn, like through his research or I don't know, some newspaper article that that is a legend about from that part of Europe that the blue fires lead you to treasure buried by the dead. So it makes no sense that there's blue (laughs) fire in this at like, I guess he was trying to show it like you're moving into a different world starts the entrance of the castle kind of thing. So yeah, it's so out of place. It just sits there Um, though. Like they, they sort of pass through it one time, but then it's not there the second time. But then in contrast, oh, yeah. the green smoke later in the film looks amazing. And they shot that mm. with, I read that they shot it with double exposure. Um, mm. And that like, because I was like, man, they actually controlled it perfectly. How'd they do that? Incom- <laughs> like, I think they did. I think I read that the flames were the only CGI sort of thing where they 
did it in post, but yeah, it, I don't know, paid off going practical in this film, basically. Mm. I think um, uh, this makes you think about Keanu's performance in this film. It's kind <laughs> like it makes the start of the film feel really kind of funny because, you know, there's all this mood set in and this tension and he doesn't seem to be reacting to like <laughs> any of it. No. So it just kind of makes you a bit unsure how to feel about what's going on because mm. he just seems like so naive <laughs> about <laughs> about everything. Yeah, that's a good comment because I don't know if it's... Perf- I just assumed it was character-based rather than performance-based though. Like I mm, thought that yeah. Jonathan was supposed to be totally ignorant, but it's like, is he supposed to look at Dracula and be like, oh, that's fine. People look like that. And yeah, like- <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I, I, I want to read a bit from the Wikipedia of this just because it... I found it super entertaining. Um, so it's under a subheading, a subheading that says criticism of Keanu Reeves' performance. <laughs> Empire's Tom Hibbert criticized Keanu Reeves' casting and was not the only critic to consider the resultant performance to be weak. In a career retrospective compiled by Entertainment Weekly, Reeves was described as having been out of his depth and frequently blasted off the screen by Gary Oldman. Um, <laughs> Goes on to talk about how he was in the 29 worst movie miscastings, 50 performances that ruined movies, <laughs> acting miscasts that ruined movies, uh, ten top 10 worst movie accents, top 10 worst yeah. fake British accents. I think the whole film was in top 10 worst accents. The, the characters <laughs> turn them on and off at a whim. Like, even Dracula did it as well. I'm sorry, Gary, who delivered you know a good <laughs> performance, but Dracula does it, Van Helsing does it, and then... Like, Van Helsing was the most confusing. I, I genuinely couldn't tune into if he was doing an accent or not. Because every time like I tune Anthony in Hopkins on it... Hopkins talks. Yeah, because every in, time he... In all his films, he kind of does that. He, like, because he has this character. It's the same as him being, like, Hannibal Lecter, where he's, like, this intellectual guy who, like, reads all these Latin books and stuff like that. So, he has this voice that kind of, like, jumps into all these different worlds all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but Keanu hates pretty strong. <laughs> I Look, I don't know. I don't think he's... It's funny because I don't think Keanu's a necessarily a bad actor. Like, um, yeah. it's just something about this setting, and I'm sure that he could have done this film now, like, and done it mm. like well. It's just I don't know. It's just really funny, and like, it actually doesn't detract too much when you look at the film through the kind of broader lens of energy or whatever it is. It's just it's kind of funny. Like, if you're watching this really seriously, I can imagine feeling that passionately about his mm. performance. But I just think it it actually kind of. I guess what makes the film more cult, uh, more of a cult mm. status is, is stuff like that, you know? Mm. I feel like it's, I feel like sometimes actors get a bad rep for playing the everyman. Mm. Like, I feel like in this scenario, like if he was reacting to everything like so strongly, like Ugh, it would just like, it would be so strange to watch. And I feel like it's a really, like that's probably the toughest role to play is to be like this blank Mm. to not detract from whatever the audience is seeing by making it about you, the character, yeah, having 100%. a bad time. Um, so I'm like, I feel like it probably is a thing of like he was not incredibly experienced. Like he talked about Bill and Ted being like, I think I'm terrible in that film. Like I don't know why people love it so much. Like I feel like it's hard to play such a vanilla character. And he's like meant to be like that in the books. Like in his diaries he's like, these weird things keep happening. I, I love you, Mina. Like, it's just like, he's just very like, I'm just doing my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can maybe put some blame on 
the film structure in that like you don't mm. get much of his character like I, I imagine in the book you get a bit more of him before you actually get into that setting but you don't Barely have much time though. with him oh, okay yeah <laughs> maybe it's just the way it's all structured because mm. your kind of introduction to him is all that part and then you're just kind of like I don't know what this character is you know what I mean and he just doesn't seem scared yeah. by anything he's just like I think I think he's meant to be kind of like a boring guy because like the little bit in the book is you start like with him already traveling there and he's just talking about like how he'd love to come and visit these mountains one day some other time with Mina and he'd like to share this food with Mina. Like he kind of seems like a boring dude. Um, yeah, but I, I, it's always with old books where there's like love stories and they're just like <laughs> so obnoxiously in love with each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you oh can't relate You can't relate to it at all. Like it's not what it's like anymore. You yeah, I, you know, I wanted to comment on funny. this. But man, I had like a hundred comments for that um, Keanu stuff, but I'll, I'll go to this instead. Like, I don't get old Victorian English. Like, I'm, I'm talking, like, the modern versions of it because I haven't done my old Victorian reading. I guess I've read, you know, uh, what's it called? Macbeth. So I basically know everything, all there is to know. Um, <laughs> but, like, a few things about Victorian-style things. And first, the love. Like, I just don't understand it. Did Like, I get that it was written by... All these stories were written by men. And so it was coming from a man's perspective. But the relationships these characters have are just so lustful. Like, there's literally no <laughs> love in there. It's all just... Like, they have no significant interaction as a couple. They literally just go, I love him, and I love her so much. I can't wait to return. <laughs> and, and then even, like, the undertones are so explicit in this film because they obviously just want to get married so they can have sex. And then, like, there's mm-hmm. no relationship there at all, and they just have lust the whole time. And then... Sort of, just quickly, just sort of the next step on that. What's with Victorian fiction and, like, older fiction being so obsessed with, like, virginity and youngness and stuff like that? Like, I feel it's like that's... It's also a religion thing, I think, as well. Mm. That's taken such a big swing in... I feel like that's changed, culturally at least. I think that the world was creepier about, you know, young people. It, well, you but know, the whole vampire thing is kind of creepy yeah. and it's rooted in this, like man seeking the young pure flesh of of like virgins it's it's like the whole vampire thing like it didn't stop with twilight you know what i mean like it's mm. it, it's all it's but, what it's rooted in which is just kind of creepy i guess would you not say that i feel like in terms of rather than in literature now in movies that we're sort of reverting back to wanting those younger untouched actors to be like the main like timothy chalamet like, he's just, he looks 12. Like, it's just like, I feel like we're reverting back to a time where it's more like, where it's more obsessive about young actors, young people on screen, young stories. Like, I feel like, okay. I feel like I'm noticing that trend, even though okay, I'm not yeah. watching too much stuff right now. But it's like that trend of just like young, t- like Riverdale. Like, I feel like it feels so weird sometimes where it's like, these are children and yet we're still being like, they're immensely sexually active. They're never at school, and they're just flirting with everyone and everywhere, everywhere. Like, I've, yeah. yeah. Uh, if we do like, like, let's contextualize it or like timeline it yes. a little bit. Then, so like, I just think the '90s is obsessed with young beauty, and like, mm. you've got uh, like boy bands, and you've got um, like, I don't know. I just, uh, I suppose it's stuck on like American Beauty and. Um, like Britney Spears as well, like, you know, she had that whole thing where she was, had to be a virgin and stuff like that. Um, and then I feel like it's changed. And the reason I, like, I think it's changed 
in the Instagram era sort of stuff. And because we, we've now switched to that thing where probably it's because females get a voice in their sexuality a lot more with um, Instagram and self-promotion and stuff like that. Mm. But, um, you know, uh, you've got the Cardi B stuff going on and the, um, you know, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj being the extreme end of the fulcrum uh, spectrum. And then you've also got like Miley Cyrus who's doing a similar sort of thing. So like, I think females having their own voice on their sexuality in pop culture has sort of made it so there's less of that virgin thing going on. Mm. And, like, if that happened nowadays, like, there would be a big call out about how creepy it, it like, it wouldn't be made the yeah. same way. Um, no. And, like, okay, so, like, one thing that is, like, they're running in the rain trying to get back to the house and then they just kiss. Yes. For some <laughs> reason. They just kiss. Yeah. No, what is that, that about? That makes no sense at all. Like, That's pure. Nothing. Yeah. Ho- creepy horniness. I don't know. That yeah. was when just. Winona's clocking up mad kisses in this film. She kisses, My like, God. four or five people. Her- her bloody kiss at the start with Keanu Reeves, like, you can so... Like, they were talking about in an interview how they did have crushes on each other at that time. And so they were oh, just, hilarious. like, tongue down each other's throats, like, fucking... Ugh. Yeah, strong Like, just, kissing. it's so... I feel like it's just the the cast themselves were just so horny that it's, like, <laughs> they just added that onto the, to the movie. Like, it's, it's crazy. That, it's mm. just crazy, that movie. Yeah. Um, what I do like though is like all the suitors, all her Lucy's potential suitors, oh like, team up at the end. Yes, <laughs> they are. That, that so is like, the original. I just really like that. They're the what Avengers. Like they're the best boys <laughs> yes. club ever. All like Van Helsing gets let in as an honorary member as well. Like mm. they get along way too well. Um, just before, no, they look, they, it generally does feel like they're all they're all best mates, and I like that they were all competing cool. for this one girl, and then they just like join forces and they're like over it, like they're not enemies anymore. <laughs> Sort of on this, before we were talking about structure and how this film gets made today. So, like, firstly, I'm reading this book at the moment, which is about the marvelization of the film industry. And just the, the quick summary points are that, like, in the 2000s, you bet it on superstars, like, as in, like, like Sony made 25% of their profits and revenue from Adam Sandler and Will Smith films alone, right? Damn. That era just doesn't exist anymore, right? So then the other thing they say is that uh, studios used to put out heaps of films and then expect a bunch to flop, but then know that hits could come out of that as well. So they funded mm. what this guy refers to as uh, mid-budget dramas, right? So like tens of millions of dollars rather than hundreds of million dollars. And then Disney finds out that you can make hundreds of millions of dollars of movies and then people actually come to them. And we end up where we are now, where the only films that really exist are like event cinemas where they're $200 million movies and everyone goes and they gross a billion dollars and stuff like that, right? Conversely, he says that uh, smaller dramas have turned into TV series, like, because people Mm. uh, want, they still want that type of entertainment, but then it's on TV now because people subscribe for quality and it's less tangible. You don't have to force people to get out of the house to like watch a smart movie they like one on the streaming services and like that starts with breaking bad as you'd probably maybe remember. Um, but basically this film, first of all, I don't think exists at all today. Like this would never exist. Who's going to make Dracula at a $200 million budget unless you're doing that thing where <laughs> they were trying to launch like Dracula. Uh, they're trying to turn the mummy and all this stuff into a, oh into a cinematic yes. universe, yes. which I've never heard of since. Um, but anyway, I think this movie is a TV show now and, it probably, like, 
when you're saying how it, it is be literally a, no- a TV show, isn't it? Didn't, didn't yeah, know what it there's so it's, many yeah, characters and they all yeah. have episodes. And so the boys yeah. club is definitely like a storyline in the show where each of the different mm-hmm. suitors, you learn how they're rough and tumble and one of them's a scumbag and one mm-hmm. of them's got an honest heart and stuff like that. Um, anyway, long speech about how the three-way bro squad is just awesome. And I love that they get along <laughs> way so too good. well. What about when but poor Quincy dies? He dies, yeah. and it's cute in the book when um, Mina and um, Jonathan like name their kid Quincy, and everyone's like, "Oh," and you know, happily ever after. <laughs> What's the what? kind of epilogue like in the book? Because this ends rather quickly. Um, so the ending here is definitely not what happens in the books. Like Mina, she's like branded and feels all like, "Oh, I'm dirty now." Like. Um, I God won't accept me or whatever. And they do kill Dracula, but, like, that story of her being a reincarnation of his wife is not a thing. Because it's not a thing in this movie either, in case you didn't notice. There's no explanation that they look exactly the same. (laughs) Well, there's, there's like, the, you know, again, 90s trope of they do, they try and do a life portrait of someone to be like, they're the same, (laughs) twins. Um, So they sort of do that. But that whole, like, I guess, reconciliation of her and Dracula, like, isn't a thing. Like, he dies and she's like, he's been, I'm, you know, pure now, whatever. And so it's like, it's a very Thank good God Christian ending. Thank God they didn't put that in, though, to be honest, yeah. Does the fellatio take... scene happen in the book? No. <laughs> you know, the like, scene where the... he's like, you know, lick my chest <laughs> and his face is pulling these ones. and Yeah, yeah. Oh, that man. was the funny the funny family moment, I think, where everyone was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, it's just interesting because, like, not only is there religious undertones, but there's a lot of, like, Bram Stoker making fun of Catholic views on things like masturbation and sex. Like, the fact that he's got hairy hands, um, like, that's in the book as well. Like, he's hairy hands and all these, like, tropes. Like, he sort of made them, made them into this character who is sort of empathetic, but is still kind of the bad guy. So he's definitely being like the whatever major church at the time is ridiculous. And I'm going to write this book, but I don't want to be called out as like, um, as an old mate paradise lost kind of fanfic about the devil. Like it's Mm -hmm. like, this is silly, but I'm going to make a scary book. Mm -hmm. So it's like sort of unclear, like how, how much he was critiquing certain things but like the book is still so dramatic that it's it's kind of hilarious in a yeah i would say one thing about the film is that obviously those themes are kind of present in it and i don't know if it's just me Mm. um but they're not as like kind of clear i don't know maybe it's because it's not the longer version um things don't necessarily get the time i think that they kind of need to like set up Mm. the the statements they're making so that you kind of get a lot of imagery that doesn't necessarily feel I, i mean like it's got like tons of backing to support what it's trying to say necessarily i thought that the films uh, like with the special effects sort of stuff i really loved the time like every time the film used blood was really good and i thought Mm. probably because they're real squibs and stuff and they're like blowing um blood out everywhere but i thought the the wounds and stuff were like uh kind of edgy like quite current you know when he um First of all, I liked when he stabbed the cross and then the blood came out. That was a pretty epic mm, shot. I, I respect so that. So good. Um, but then the scenes later on where people start getting cut and like 
Dracula gets cut and then stabbed in the chest. That happened pretty brutally in real time. And, like, I felt like that had a modern sensibility. And then um, when Lucy, like, lays down in bed and spewing blood everywhere, like, they sort of play it for a little bit of comedy. But, like, I thought that looked really good. Um, so, basically, practical effects are a big winner for this film, I think. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's just practical everything for this for this mm-hmm. movie. Like, just doing it, doing it real pays off. So did Gary Oldman really climb on a wall outside a building? That's what I couldn't quite understand. I was like, that has to be that thing where, like, that wall is flat and he's just (laughs) doing his creepy crawl across. Well, because there's no context. Like, the scene... Yeah, it's sort of like... You don't see the ground. It's a diagonal or something, wasn't it? Yeah. I also love the bit that's clearly that they did a flippy, floopy doop of a shot of when... Keanu picks up the bottle from some random chest and, the, and it drops up. Uh, yeah, and I was yeah. like, even just something like that, like I feel like it's so yeah. simple and you can tell what it is, but you're also like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate things like that. I thought it was really impressive when, yeah, he's on the bed and the sirens come to him. Because I'm just calling mm. them sirens because they seem like sirens. I think they're called uh, Dracula's yeah. wives, aren't they? Or something like yeah. that. <laughs> The uh, wives. That's what the, the song's wives. called, the plays. The wives. Uh, well, like, the footprints look really good. That whole scene is... Mm. that. Uh, like, I think the opening part of the movie is my favourite part of the movie. Mm. But, like, that scene is really good. And um, I think that's really good mood. Um, that spooky kind of lustful thing making people uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I think that's well achieved practically and narratively it's funny that you say i reckon i'm the opposite i reckon i like the second half better than the first half i think Uh, that it i just like the tonal switch like because at the start like i kind of said about keanu i wasn't sure about how i meant to feel or whatever and then when it kind of becomes this like action adventure sort of thing i don't know i just feel like there's so much energy in that in the film from that part and you've got like when they go into you know when dracula goes to see mina when they've got it kept away or whatever and then there's like that giant bat version of dracula like that's, that's cool. sick and just like the energy like of the dudes bouncing off each other i just think it's like really ex- uh, exciting like um i prefer that to kind of the romance stuff i guess yeah what about keanu's white hair that wig that they yeah, put yeah him what's in? going on there can you explain it? <laughs> well the, um, the, the wives it, i think have it's just the strings. something they've sucked yeah. His lifeblood, maybe, or something okay. like that, right? It seemed um, like a mistake to me. <laughs> like, because well, in the book he does get white hair, but I think it's that thing of like the stress. <laughs> like okay. he's just so because he he never gets bitten or anything by Dracula, but I think it's just like it's it's like Twin Peaks. It's just spoopy oopy. His hair's okay. now white. Okay. Um, but it looks the wig is awful. <laughs> It's so. He's got a few. It looks like my dad's hair. He's got the salt and pepper one in there as well. Like it's not a full (laughs) shift. Um, Yeah. So good. Yeah. um, I suppose I want to talk about like more of the story. We've talked to like around the story a little Mm. bit. Um, So like the actual structure of the movie is sort of confusing. Like basically, I'm a bit. I'm left going. Whose movie is it? Like whose story is it? Um, And I think that's sort of, like, for me, an, an uncomfortable part of the movie in the way that, like, I didn't know what I was supposed to, like, how I was supposed to engage with this film. And obviously I love all the, like, theatrical stuff and I think it's a really fun movie, but if we're actually critiquing the narrative, um, it's a bit, like... Because 
I just felt misled. Like at the start, I felt like Keanu mm-hmm. was the guy, and it was about Keanu watching Dracula and then bouncing off him. And then Mina gets a bit more of a voice, and I'm like, okay, it's Mina mm-hmm. and Keanu reacting to Dracula. But then it really sort of just like goes a whole different mm-hmm. bunch of ways. Like Lucy's character is a bit more significant than I first expected. And then yeah, I agree Van Helsing comes through late in the film to sort of steal all the screen mm-hmm. time. And it's like, who is, is I like, yeah, who is the main character in this film besides Dracula? Well, this is interesting, like Alana was saying about how the book is written in in that way where it's it, all the notes and stuff like that. Because the film obviously starts like that and he's trying to do that. And then it just kind of disappears at some point. And then it's just like specifically focusing on, I guess, different people's stories. Mm. Like, I, I don't really know how that's supposed to work later in the film, though. Like how that functions in the book. Like how are those stories told? It's still in a diary form, really, um, which makes it it makes the action seem like because then they lose the like the newspaper clippings where it was like a wolf is now loose in London. Like that adds like so much of the tension to it because you're like all these other things that the characters don't understand you're getting the info of and that's why the second half is kind of weird because then it just becomes like a bit more like then this happened earlier like it's less it, uh, yeah. the pace lessens and I feel like right. that's probably why Coppola got rid of those letters is because I feel like they would have dragged the movie back yeah that's interesting um, and I feel like they probably should have just kept it with the newspaper clippings and then no letters, like maybe just not have a dear diary thing, but then have like those headlines pop up, you know, of being like these things are happening outside of the world of characters. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what, if, you can, if you can imagine it being like a series or whatever, you could imagine them actually like mm-hmm. spending a lot of time building that tension at the start mm-hmm. of the film through that stuff. Like I feel like it would work really well with the sightings of like a werewolf and all that sort of stuff. And, like, the audience doesn't necessarily know what's going on as, as much at that point. So, the werewolf was Dracula? There was, I think there was a few, there was the werewolf and then there was the wolves. Because the bit in the book that I love that they sort of glossed over a bit is that how Dracula gets off that boat is, like, he becomes a wolf, kills all the crew, and then jumps off. And everyone's like, what is this wolf doing? There's no oh. humans on this boat. Um, and then he goes and does his thing, but yeah, it's, he, yeah, then it becomes like he is then a werewolf rather than just a wolf. It's, he does a lot of things. Cause the wolf broke out of the, the zoo. The zoo. Yeah. I thought, um, he, I thought he was breaking out a crony, you know, like his second in command was a werewolf and then. Oh, right. Ah, yeah. yeah. Cause then there's that spooky scene where like he's having sex with like the wolf, mm. werewolf is having sex with her and it's like, I thought. I thought it made sense that he would go for her as the crony. You you know, the crony gets the second in command in our narrative importance anyway, being Lucy. <laughs> um, but no, like, and like, so is Dracula really interested in Mina as an individual? Yeah, explain that part to us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's it sort of flops back and forth. Like, I feel like he knew that Mina was there and that's why he was going to London in the first place. Like in the book it's just him being like I oh, world domination, ah, like ah. villain things. So that's why he wanted to, to buy property in London. Yeah. It wasn't just for a tax to, write-off. Mm, okay. It was to like extend his race, really, of vampires, yeah. make more people ah, vampires. Yeah. Um Yeah, the bit that Cobbler added, which was like his like real connection with Mina, I think 
he doesn't, maybe he doesn't know about her at the start until he sees her that one time in the street. And then Lucy, I guess, through her like rampant sexuality because she's got all these suitors, so clearly she's a sexy being. Mm-hmm. He's like, as a, a oh, 15 year old or whatever she is. Yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> 16, you know, like that's more of the thing of, oh, she's nothing to me. I'll just eat her. Okay. Um, and then, right. yeah, it's like to get closer to Mina through. Through Lucy, I guess it's it's a bit yeah. I feel like that the specifics of like why he does these in between actions of killing Lucy, getting all these other bits of property. I don't know. It's it's so it is a very strange movie. (laughs) Like it's not an easy one to pinpoint what events led on to other events even in the book it's like that like like you're sometimes you're like why is he doing this oh, i guess maybe this reason and then okay. you kind of accept yeah. that and move on yeah okay well if you um, feel that way that's good because i felt yeah, that way so as well i, I was yeah. just like am i not i thought that i just must have missed dialogue because he was talking in such a thick accent I was like, <laughs> so in dracula there is definitely a thing going on where there's like religion versus premarital sex and lust right mm. like how that i I feel like that thing is just really... It's sort of a good thing, but it's so played out. Um, mm. So, I wonder... Do, in the book, did... Uh, what's his name? Coppola, like, lean into this more than the book does? The whole... Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think so, because it's, like, they're definitely not as, like... They're definitely painted more as just, like, a young, in-love couple that... um that does want to like start their life together. Um, but I feel like it, the, the fact that like, I, I always think about the scene, um, which reminds me of the Godfather a lot where they're getting, they're getting married, but then it's intercutting with, I kind of exactly remember what Dracula is doing, but he's doing something sexy. Like something's happening. Mm. Like maybe they're killing, maybe that's when Lucy is being dealt with. I yeah. can't remember. Um, but like that intercutting, like sort of, I feel like underlies, Coppola's message of like we see religion and or at least marriage as this pure thing this really untouchable like righteous thing but he's like adding that there is still savagery behind that mm-hmm. as in in terms of like Mina and um Jonathan's lust and even like how Van Helsing is like you can sort of you feel he is a creepy dude like he's the way that he talks about um, talks about killing and so easily, like how like taking off Lucy's head and all these things, like it's like it's painted as this very like savage, like inhuman kind of way of speaking. So I feel like the the parallels that Coppola draws are not as clear in the book, um, especially not in terms of Mina and. Jonathan, mm-hmm. like they're kept pure basically, except for when Lucy is being like tainted by Dracula, like slowly. It 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 kind of feels like an addition, but I feel like it was still there in the in the mm-hmm. book, just more like probably more talked through Lucy because it was like, whoa, she's got three men that she has to choose from. Like, hold your horses. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah, that was which would have been outrageous at the yes. time. Yeah. So that makes me wonder: is the is the the werewolf sex scene in the book 
like I don't think it like is. that explicit. Yeah, because I just can't imagine in getting away with that it's, in 1897. It's more just like Lucy <laughs> talks about in her di- <laughs> Yeah. She talks about in her diary, like they talk about their feelings towards each other a lot. It's like these wrong feelings. I'm having feelings and my neck hurts. Feelings. Like it's just <laughs> she you can tell that he's like corrupting her with like thoughts of unclean things. Like they never say it specific. Like everything written before probably the 1920s or even further along, everything yeah. is in code. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because of the vagueness, you can you can definitely read in between the lines, but t- sometimes you can add a little more to that sometimes of being like, oh, she was thinking about that vampire D. But then sometimes it could just be like, his face was swimming in front of me. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, it's what, it's what you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how horny you are, audience member. <laughs> As a sort of grand sweeping cultural comment, I'm so surprised that the world got to a place where uh, sexuality was so repressed. Like, it doesn't really make sense to me that the whole, you know, the whole evolution thing does the whole everyone needs to be an animal and then everyone reigns it in so much and then it takes until 20 whenever to finally sort of come out again. It just always shocks me to imagine that it it was repressed because, like... Mm. Like, they are so lustful, these authors, <laughs> you know, like, yes. they're so charged. It was always there. It's just they didn't say it for some reason. Because it's interesting, like, because on, on another podcast, a literature, um, which everyone should go and listen to, um, we did the book Paradise Lost, which is exactly this, but about Satan. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, it was the book that sort of talked and put in explicit terms the 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 fall of man like garden of eden stuff like this was the book that sort of told that story in more explicit terms and it was so the same thing like you can see that he like is kind of like adding this really sexual like this drive in the characters that everything is basically in some way motiv- motivated by sex or the lack of mm-hmm. and I feel like that can, yeah, that could, that, that can be put across like all classic literature to some terms. Like, um, and yeah, and it wasn't just sex. It was like ghost stories, like even the possibility that something is supernatural, um, like had to be talked about in vague terms because of the church. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, I feel like it's a helpful accompaniment that the movie was so explicit to go along with this book to help with like deciding how you feel about the characters and why they're doing certain things and mm-hmm. who they are. Except Jonathan Harker, I still don't understand. He's so plain. He's so <laughs> just like T posing in the corner, like you know, just even when like he ride. has this amazing adventure, like getting out of the <laughs> castle, and then he ends up with a bunch yeah, of nuns, yeah. and they just hang yeah. out, and yeah. it's just like all good. <laughs> For an indeterminate period of time. Yeah. I feel like this movie would have been quite edgy at the time. Like, I think we've sort of said mm. that, but, like, I imagine that stabbing the cross was still a really big deal in 1992, right? Yeah. I feel like even just putting vampires and the church in the same room was probably still, like, yeah, a bit like... I feel like even now people would be like, uh-uh-uh, not in my Hollywood movie. Like... It would yep. have to be like an A24 thing. Like, I feel like yeah, Hollywood yeah. wouldn't make it. It would be some independent 
yeah. production company that would put their money towards it. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's just, I guess I was in, like, the 90s were still an era where, like, religious mums were campaigning against, like, Pokemon and stuff like that, <laughs> which is, like, there I were bigger you, battles to fight. I think that you over are giving, like, our current times too much credit for, like, how, like, sexually liberated and everything we are. Like, <laughs> I, I guess mm-hmm. that it's, I get it's all rel- relative, but it's, like, it's not, like... We're free from the um, long reach of religion in, <laughs> the in our... The shackles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're gone, yeah. It's uh, just interesting, yeah, thinking about this literature, which is written by these guys, like, so long ago. And, you know, it's all this pent-up stuff and these weird feelings that they're exploring that they're not allowed to talk about. And I don't know, I always find it funny thinking about how, like, uh, the women are portrayed in these, like, mm. like um, Mina and Lucy, uh, it's... Um, are so obsessed with just like men and that's all they talk about blah 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 which is whatever and so i don't know it depends which way, which way you look at this le- the, the which lens you look at this film through because if you're looking at it very seriously it's kind of like you know their dialogue's pretty shit and all that sort of stuff but if, if you're kind of getting amongst the theatrical element of it like so i was talking to my girlfriend and she really loved loved the film and she was like oh you know but it's like oh theatrical and kind of like playing off this and stuff like that i'm like oh yeah maybe that interpretation works for it as well um i don't know it's 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 interesting like it's definitely if this was serious this film was very self-serious and kind of really telling you what to feel and all that sort of stuff all of that would kind of rub me the wrong way i think but instead it kind of works in this kind of fun well that's theatrical sort of way melodramatic sort of way you know that's the $40 million budget question. Like, is this film serious <laughs> or not in- intentionally? Mm. I feel like it's kind of as, like, even though this is kind of a cop-out answer, <laughs> I feel like it's as serious as you want to be. Like, you can pick and choose the moments that you... Because I feel like the start is very, like, like very, like, not high art, but, you know, it's very, like, the fact that Gary Oldman's costume is so stylized like the stylization of it feels not mainstream like it feels very like its own little kind of thing that it's doing there mm-hmm. um it's kind of like the did you guys see mother yeah the um, i haven't no but tom has okay no um but just like how people like it's either you love love loved it or you hated it and it's like i feel like with dracula like there's a lot of kind of room to change how you feel and change like how you want to see the movie. Cause I feel like I'm at the point where it's like, it's a fun romp. When I first saw it, I was like, Oh my like perfection cinema, you know, da da da. Cause it was like, I hadn't really read into it that much. Like I thought the Keanu Reeves was probably not the best person for that role, but it was still like, ah yes, cinema. But now I'm like, it's good fun, guys. Like, I actually like Keanu in it. Fun Maybe movie. that's that's my g- grand sweeping declaration. Yeah, like <laughs> I like him in it. I genuinely don't want anyone doing anything else. I think he is deliberately kind of flat in my like. That's how I read it. Like he, I yeah. don't think I could see anyone else in that role. I feel like it's yeah. it's just him. I because th- <laughs> like I think the point is with his character, he's not actually an important character. I think that's. That's the curveball. He doesn't do... He matters less than anyone else, probably, in the plot. He Bad stuff happens to him, and that's about it. Like, Mina is more valuable in terms of themes and story progression, even. Um, 
even the three suitors have more value to the actual story. Like, it's more about Mina than it is about Jonathan. And so Jonathan is just functioning off of her. And it's funny because it means like when Mina is flirting with Dracula and everything like that, it's like, yeah, I kind of get it. Like, your your husband, your fiance is so boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> you would be drawn to any like remotely interesting man who like pays attention to you. Is Dracula like... um like a Nigerian prince who just like comes in and says, oh I have all this money. And <laughs> like, why is she that she completely changes her to tune extremely quickly. Just when she hears what, that he is royalty or something like that. Does he say that or not? Well, ja- because her husband's not, she makes a few comments about how he's not going to make much money and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't care. But I feel like, like it's it, her kind of, I, I kind of see it that she does feel some kind of, like, whatever, rebirth of his dead wife within her, like, when she mm. sees him. There's, like, yes. some connection there that I don't think, like, she understands fully, but she, like, goes along with it for whatever reason. Like, is it the repression? Is it um, is it the money? Is it, I don't know. It's... I'm starting to c- come around on like a, a more feminist reading of this film, whatever that means. Yeah, no, I, def- <laughs> that I definitely means. think but it's more interesting. This is kind of what I'm saying, though. It, it, this is what I, this is. I guess what I'm kind of was trying to get at is like the way that you. The, Alana's right in saying this film has like such a big spectrum of interpretation and like how you want to look at it, and you can look at it through a lens that's very literal and serious. And I think that it falls flat in that regard. But if you look at it through this other lens, it does have this extra life to it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I also love that the movie's tagline is love never dies. (laughs) I feel like that's such a perfect, like, because it is a love story, really. Like you could read it as a love story between, you could just forget Jonathan and just be like between Dracula and Nina. And it's their love story. Yeah. And yeah, I I remember sort of thinking about how that's the 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 tagline and was like that's pretty spot on for what I feel like this film in what aspect is trying to say. Like I feel like that's the strongest thing that it's it's sort of coming across through like love in love in terms of like it's not by the Christian books, it's something more than that. It's even supernatural, like, it's, yeah, no phone. I, um, yeah. I think you've solved it, honestly. It makes so much more sense between Dracula and Mina <laughs> than it does between anything else. And, <laughs> yeah. like, that, maybe that, that's the thing I missed for so long until right now. Like, that's the only reason I don't like the Keanu cast, because I think that Keanu being there suggests that he's important, but he's not important. He's yeah. literally not important. And the whole story is suddenly so much more interesting if it's, like, this film is about how she is dealing with, like, choosing the right suitor or the lustful suitor and, like, the exotic guy sort of thing. And then even the thing at the end, like, that's, like, maybe, I don't know, a mature breakup sort of scene where, like, you're like, man, I loved you for what you provided for me, but I can't... It's not sustainable. I have to do the right choice or something like that. Um, Mm. Man. Glass shattering. It all makes sense now. (laughs) I mean, it's Alana's favorite film, so she should be coming through. She <laughs> should be the, the master of it. It oh should have just been an if hour lecture on this film. If I had known that pressure before coming on here, I would have been like, You were pretty God. good as our, um, our reference Dracula <laughs> explainer of the, the plot 
Yeah, well, I'm really glad I've read the book. I feel like it was a bit of a long haul. Like it's a th- it's a thick boy. Like it's you know it's not a light read. Um, but I'm really glad I've read it because I feel like it adds. Yeah, it adds to the film, and I feel like I don't know they play off each other well. But if you don't want to read the book, you can always listen to the illiterature episode about there we go. Dracula. There we go. Um, so many plugs. So many plugs. How about that guy? I just one casting thing is that random musician as the um, as a sidekick. What's his name? Um, he's a he's a musician. <laughs> What's who's sidekick? A, the Dracula sidekick, the dude in the asylum. Ah, um, I didn't get. Who is I didn't know he is a name. Tom Waits. It's just oh, weird that's... that it's Tom Waits. Oh, interesting. The only other like slight meme comment I had was that I thought the I think this was deliberate, maybe. But the original Dracula like armor when he was back in his prime. Mm, I thought yes. it, I thought it looked like skin, like muscles when you peel the skin off. Yeah, I assume it's deliberate, but it just took me to Robbie Williams in the the rock DJ music video. <laughs> I actually, oh liked my god, throwback! The oh way god. that they did that kind of war scene and everything, I thought was pretty cool. I mean, we talked about the yeah. practical effects sort of thing, but it's a good way of doing it. And like, I guess that is a kind of recurring thing with shadows and kind of silhouettes. Mm. You've got it there. You've got. Mm the Dracula shadow, and you've also got, like, when they're having dinner together, there's, like, all those Mm. people passing by and shadows in the background. Yeah. Pretty cool stylistic choice. Yeah. I think, yeah, I just liked the way that Bat Dracula, I thought he looked really cool. Yeah, Bat Dracula. Um, Even Werewolf Dracula. Just Mm. all of the way it looked was pretty cool, I reckon. I love the use of colour. The lighting and use of colour is probably... My favourite. And a, a lesser film sort of tried to do it again. Um, Crimson Peak. Is that, that one that has people seen? Tom Hiddleston movie that was referencing, like, old Italian horror. And the best part of it was the lighting. The rest of it, it is so garbage. Um, but it's just so delicious the, the the look of it like it's just so <laughs> tactile and oh love it i was gonna ask was winona Ryder a manic dream pixie girl in this film it's I don't think so. I wouldn't Ooh. think so. When we did Emily, we were talking about this. Um, mm. The definition, I think, is broader than you think you would normally give it to. Um, really? Well, what was it, Tom? It was like any girl who just has a romantic interest and changes the male lead's perspective on life or whatever. And her pursuit is kind of unfounded. Like, she just sort of functions... Her goals aren't clear and she's self-sabotaging or something like that. I feel like... Was she in the list? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like her goal, like, because I see a Manic Pixie dream girl as not necessarily 
going after the person that is interested in her. Like it's part of the thing of like she's sort of doing her own thing and you don't see what her own thing is, but she's doing it. And I feel like Mina is, in the movie at least, less so in the books, um, but in the movie she's actively like, she's she's actively like either fighting her herself or some outside sources to like get to Dracula or to like stay apart from him. Like, I don't know, I feel like she's got, She's got some motives and... Yeah, actually, I guess... I think you're right, actually. It's because, you know, out of everyone, she's the person who's, like, making decisions or, yeah. like, having faced with the conflict. Um, and I guess the, the way that we were talking about it before where she's the person who has to choose between mm. boring old Keanu Reeves or, you know, sexy Gary mm. Oldman. And yeah. it's kind of, like, got that... <laughs> she's the person, I guess, telling the religious tale anyway like Mm. she's that's functioning through her character so i guess you're right yeah and i love her at the end where she's just gone like full like sword in hand like holding off um van helsing in the snow and all that like i feel like the ending yeah that stuff's so good also redeems her as well it's sort of like she's active in like and in even in saying to keanu reeves like would you do the same for me or something she says she asks him like yeah, would you do the same for me? And he's like, of course. And yeah, she doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, I feel like she's sort of like, yeah, she comes into her own really there, I feel like, fully. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like Winona is a very good actress and I feel like her accent took it down a bit, but I feel like throughout the movie I was like, you are good at your job. People love Winona. Like, I feel like everyone likes Winona. I love I Winona. I think she's awesome. Yeah, I feel like Stranger Things is getting, you know, you don't like her in that. That's supposed mm. to be her redemption arc. I enjoyed that. Well, I think it's more that I just, I liked the first season. I liked her in the first season, though I feel like her character got too too much of her, like she became too much yeah. of herself, of like worried American mum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Winona takes Nick, go. Oh, I just think she's good. <laughs> like Emily really likes her. So I've watched a bunch of stuff she's in and she's just like, I don't know. She's got whatever that charm you wanted, wanted in the 90s. She's like the 90s. The 90s girl, I guess. Mm. So I feel like she's a sleeper, though, because she wasn't around. Like, for me personally, like, because she wasn't around in the early thousands, um, it was kind of like, who's this person? Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Turns yeah. out she was... She, I, get, I, I don't know the narrative of her career, but she was pretty absent, I guess, during the thousands, and then now Stranger Things has revived it. Mm. And I think there is a bit of, like, Winona kind of hype. Like, she's come back around and... I don't know, she's like a psylike on all that sort of stuff now. Mm. So, good for her. She's like, well, because she's in Beetlejuice and people love that because oh, she yeah. dresses cool in Beetlejuice. And then it, she's her arc's a bit like Robert Downey Jr., right? Like, makes the comeback in a very commercially successful thing and then everyone's like, oh, yeah, we did like this person. And then... I feel like yeah. it was probably she got she got um, stuck in that thing of she she got a bit too old for being a woman. At some Mm. point, like, she Mm. was in that gap of, like, being in her late 20s, 30s, of being like, what do we do with you now? Your whole thing is that you were young. Mm. Uh, Yeah. And I feel like that kind of, I don't know if that will continue to happen in the future, but I feel like that happened to a lot of people. Um, For sure. She did have, like, personal drama, though. Oh, did she? Or, like, controversy. Oh. Yeah, she was, I I, I don't know. All I know is that the only guaranteed thing is that she had, like, shoplifted stuff. And, 
you know, in the in the thousands and nineties, they destroy you for that sort of thing. They destroyed you for but, anything. No sympathy. Yeah. And like, it's mm. only nowadays that we're kind of people are like, well, maybe we shouldn't like ruin someone's life because of what. But now we're too forgiving. We're too forgiving of people. <laughs> like they have to have multiple scandals. Oh, I think it depends. It depends on who, who you it talk is. I think that women the yeah. really rough. people fight for certain people. Yeah. yeah. I think we all kind of collectively look back on like how people treated Britney Spears like fuck. Oh, we God. like that was yeah. not kind. You know what I mean? No. I think it's like they weren't proper problems, and there are definitely people who do proper bad things, and then those people get. You know, I think there's a bit more context to who gets cancelled. You talk about hopefully. like Robert Downey Jr. right, who had this whole like fall off sort of thing but it's like even in his part where he wasn't popping off he was like in zodiac and you know which is like a david fincher film so it's not like he like actually got he just got like side roles you know what i mean he wasn't a star anymore but it's like someone like winona it's like she kind of disappeared i I just think we're you know women women, yeah probably yeah (laughs) yeah that whole thing about the double standard with chris evans's dick and being released and everyone was like Everyone was like, no, don't be mad at him. And then they're like, but Brie Larson, like that whole, the the Marvel gang was a bit yikes there for a bit of like. Wait, what happened? So Chris Evans, I think the story is that he was on like a talk show or something and he was trying mm-hmm. to find, I think a picture of his dog and he was scrolling through, scrolling through, accidentally stopped on a picture of his dick. And everyone was like, oh, and then everyone found it really funny. But then people brought up, brought up about, I think it was Brie Larson who like some nudes or something were leaked of her and everyone was like super judgmental, like really quickly. Like, why would you do this? Uh, people are like, addicted to Brie Larson. That's a I, for no shitty reason. take. Like, it's be- oh, I don't know. God. That just, fr- that frustrates me. Like, I'm not a Marvel guy, yeah. but. It's just like they're like, oh, Brie Larson's so unlikable, and I'm like, it's just I, because I she's like a woman. I enjoyed Captain Marvel. That was yeah. I like Captain Marvel too. That was one of I the was good. that was one of the few recent Marvel movies that I've seen in cinemas. Like I saw that in the movies, and I was like, this was great and mm-hmm. fun. I don't care about the Avengers at all. Like I don't, I don't care at all. <laughs> I feel like we're inevitably going to do a Marvel movie in these, and it's just going to be like the most boring episode because we have no passion towards <laughs> it at all. <laughs> even, no, well, even, so this is what I always one of my favorite I like to one of my favorite things about Tom's letterbox yes. is like for example Captain Marvel <laughs> he was like this is such this is like the best Marvel film I've watched in a long time the set's good blah 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 and then it's like three stars so it's just like the passion for <laughs> for Marvel films is just not there for us like I, I'm so like, like this is well, actually I tolerable something so bad yeah this exactly <laughs> yeah I don't hate it. And so I'll talk about what I actually think. It's basically just like, oh, I wish the other ones had this in yeah. them, but they're still fundamentally flawed. You should do um, Spideyverse. Have you guys seen Into the Spideyverse? Yeah. I feel like oh everyone God. loves Spider-Man. But it's though. just... Like, there'll be no hot takes. I guess <laughs> It's so. very cool, the animation style. But you could use that, because I use that movie in context of saying what I wish Marvel movies were. Like, I kind of wish they were animated sometimes. Like, I was just like, I feel like this would be more fun. Um... Mm-hmm. And just yeah, just so good. We like we we love the Raimi Spider Man's. Like yes, that, yes. it's kind of like I would say the start of the pod in spirit started it's, when we yeah. started, we sat down and watched. It started the, all of this. Yeah, it was the first thing I reviewed on Letterbox, I think, or <laughs> something like that. Because we started watching films together, um, and then it was mm. like, and, and it was started with the Spider Man, the original trilogy. Yeah. yeah. What so are your good. thoughts on the third? Because I haven't ever seen it, but. 
I I guess I've had my judgment about it for so long that I find it hard to like because Brian thinks it's great. He's like, it's just dumb, like it's just not like it's not meant to be like a ooh, so good as the other ones, but um I feel like I need to go into it clean slate and finally finally watch it. We kind of had the consensus that like it's so entertaining. We have the definitive take. The definitive take <laughs> is that it's really, really good <laughs> and then it has a terrible ending, which right. completely yeah. undermines all of it's the best in the series. It's like prob- <laughs> maybe the best superhero movie of all time, except for Dark Knight. <laughs> but it, it's, I didn't say it's that. It's the best. I'm saying no, it. It's it. like it because remember we were talking about this. I almost gave it like four stars, Jesus. and then the ending's so bad it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But it's the like, same thing with like as- this film where it's it's like theatrical and like go in there and wacky, and you're like, I love it. You know what I mean? And it's like it's just funny, like. The whole emo Peter thing is obviously ridiculous, but also like just funny. And it's like they're actually Hilarious. exploring a character in mm. a good way that's not too self serious. Yeah. And I think oh, if turn to the Spider Man th- 3 supplementary pod, yeah. but it's just like they knew that they were being goofy. Yeah. It's so yeah, obvious. Exactly. And that like, like Spider Man actually should be goofy. Like, has anyone considered that Spider Man, the dorky kid who gets superpowers and doesn't know how to handle them, shouldn't just be like, some accidental lady charmer who lands Zendaya in the space of an hour 30 or something like that. You know, yeah. like a goofy Spider-Man is actually a proper interpretation, I feel like. I still, like the hill I'll die on is that the second Spider-Man is the best because Doc Ock is just such a good villain. Like he's got the best yeah. villain arc. Like it's just so perfect. And I feel like... I think he yeah. the villains like I feel like again with Marvel movies the villains are too boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's just he's fantastic that villain. Spider Man Two is like the serious yes. one. Like it's actually yeah. good. it's the good film. And, um, like the film yeah. of them all. Yeah. The film. Uh. Yeah. Mary Jane is very flawed character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <Kirsten laughs> very. Dunst. Oh. I know. I love Kirsten Dunst, but she is very much just a a foil for the yeah. Peter. Very. A very, um, you know, underdeveloped female character. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing to watch for when you watch them, the lighting in the first and the third movies is so bad. <laughs> and somehow it's good in the second, but then, like, you watch the first one and it's so flat. Like, mm. everything's really bright and really flat. Second one, it gets all moody. Mm. I feel like it's graded a bunch more. And the third one, they return to it. Mm. Like, this terrible exposure. Like, literally... They just point shots out the windows or people in front of windows and there's just this blown out bright <laughs> white window behind them and it's just their face in front. It's so funny. Running out of time. So what did you guys like about this film? What worked for you both? We'll start with Alana. I feel like the best thing is how theatrical and over the top it is. Like it embraced, it embraced what it was and I appreciate that. Tom, what about you? Um, what works? I think the special effects, practical effects, and the makeup is so good. Really good. Um, I think the sets work really well. I think the castle's amazing. Mm-hmm. I think the first half of the film's super fun, actually spooky, and some really good sequences there. Um, I think the, the flamboyance of the film really does work. Um, you just have to... It's sort of going to be a moment where you realise that as a viewer, I think. Yeah. And then it clicks. Um, 
And I just loved seeing all the cast. I was happy to see all of them. Um, Gary, Winona, uh, Keanu. The gang. Yeah. All right. What didn't work? We'll start with you, Tom. What didn't work? Uh, oh, what would you change? Sorry. You know, yeah, what would I change? The original, my original read-in, I think that I don't like at all how Keanu's character is set up to be the lens of the film and then he just sort of disappears. Uh, I think his character is so unfleshed out. I think that the film's a lot more entertaining in terms of, like, like it's spookier and a better setup when he goes into Dracula's castle and you think that there's going to be this hunt between him and Dracula and then he gets captured and suddenly that's out of the... All the wind out of that is gone. Um, I think that the action-adventure stuff, while fun, isn't actually that good of <laughs> a... Like a movie sort of thing to do, yeah. And if I was being like fully serious, I think it just is has too many cringe moments, um, like the the fellatio scene, yeah. And I didn't really get why Winona backflips. I think you could have fleshed out her actual attraction to both of the people a bit more rather than her going. I'm into him now. I'm into him, and then now I'm coming back, and then. Yeah. All right, Alana, what would you change if anything? Um, I feel like. <laughs> The thing, it just, the movie sometimes needs to figure out its pacing um, mm. because I feel like it can't decide which scenes to pair with a particular tone and like fast pace and like just, yeah, sort of make that. Because I feel like there's a dip like in towards the third act where I'm like, okay, let's get it going again. Um, I also think I agree that Winona's or Mina's relationships with kind of everyone else other than Dracula need to like needed to be figured out a bit because we talked about it briefly, but like her just making out with Lucy in the middle of the rainstorm and things like that, like and then even just like her and Van Helsing and especially her and Jonathan, like yeah, just sort of figuring out her. There's a moment where Van Helsing puts like creepy hands on her and, and then she's yeah. just like rolling with it yeah <laughs> and they do kiss of course anthony hopkins got a kiss yeah he did he got oh a kiss. yeah exactly how could i forget yeah. so many kisses to be mm. dolled out <laughs> <laughs> all right ratings um alana you can start oh my god out of what what's the rating out system of five here? out of out five. five okay yeah well it's still a hot it's a letterbox it's certified a- <laughs> review it's still a, like because it's my favorite movie and even though it's still so flawed, I still enjoy it so much. And therefore, five out of five. I'm going for it. Huge. Five out of five. Fantastic. I mean, if your favorite I, film you, wasn't a five, I'd be a bit confused. It would confused. be like, okay, I feel sorry it's for a you. three. <laughs> you go to film school, but you're not even that passionate about film. You're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom, what's your rating? Oh, I feel like I'm going to get roasted. Um but I don't know how quickly I'm rushing back to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> to be honest. I'm sorry. It was a very long film. I'm giving it a three stars. Ooh. All right. Um, I, I, I definitely get the appeal for it, I think. I think that it's... I can definitely understand how it's someone's favorite thing, but it's not necessarily, like, my favorite thing. Um, there's a lot to like about it, but also, as a movie, I just found it kind of, like, confusing and a bit, like, I guess, messy or whatever. Mm. But still plenty to like about it. Um, I would give it a three as well. Bit cut, but that's well. all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, at least we did the courtesy of, you know, talking about your favorite yes. film as though we were going to yes, give it a yes, four yes. or a five well, for no, so long. No, I appreciate long. that. 
Oh, it's, a, it's good to talk. I'm really glad. Like, I wouldn't have necessarily picked to watch this if it wasn't your suggestion. So, thank you for that. Um, yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a fun film to watch and to talk about, for sure. With the end of the Zoom call, we're probably just going to end and go home. <laughs> but um, plugs, Alana. Oh, plug okay, yes. Um, so, I work on another podcast called Ill Literature um, that talks about classic literature um, for people who can't be bothered reading it. So thoroughly recommend it, especially the Dracula episode, if you'd like to know more about what I was referencing. Um, and, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> What's your letterbox? Um, I don't home? even know. It's not even worth seeing my letterbox. So, like, hardly – I think it's – I think I feel like my name is, like, Marshy Peas. Um, but, yeah, I ha- – like, if you want to, go for it. <laughs> All right, well, nice. thank you very much for coming on. It's been a blast. Really good to have your, your takes. Um, yeah, if you want to hear more from Tom and I, what you do the plug, so. Ego Hour podcast. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd, L-I-L-S-I-L-K-Y. And I'm Good Brother on Letterboxd as well. Follow us on Instagram at I'm Good Brother. Um, yeah, this has been another classic. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Another classic or a fresh one.